so glad you're here. Welcome to our Savior's Church. My name is Pastor Josh, and uh, it's, it's so exciting to, to uh, start off a new series, and we are kicking off a brand new one today called You Asked For. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we surveyed all of you to ask what were some things that you wanted us to preach on. So uh, let me just say, if you don't like these messages, you asked for it. <laughs> you like that. And so... Uh, I, I am excited to see what we're going to be talking about. We're going to talk about a bunch of different things over the next four or five weeks. Um, but the number one question that you asked for, and it was, it was unanimous across the top. It was the highest. It blew out every other one was, help, I am stressed. And so uh, we are going to talk today about how to handle stress in your life, and I'm going to help you there. So I just read a statistic recently that said uh, there... Our culture, American culture now, it is greater stress now than they were five years ago. Uh, that we have, we're experiencing more stress now than we did five years ago. And uh, I, I don't know about y'all, but I don't, have you watched the election? And so, <laughs> and so I, I saw a church sign the other day. I said, that's funny, though. It's kind of funny and sad at the same time. I saw a church sign that said the other day, Jesus, please come. And before the election. And... <laughs> Uh, I, I read some statistics this week on stress, trying to get ready for this message, um, and so I want to I share a couple of those with you. Um, 60% of all illnesses and disease ha- are based out of stress-related uh, levels. 60%, 6 out of 10 that have uh, sickness are coming out of stress. 80% of moms feel overloaded and stress. Is that true, moms? So, 70% of people say they live sleep-deprived. Um, I think that's the moms, actually. That's, is that some of y'all? <laughs> uh, I did a Facebook poll, as I normally do when I'm going to preach, to try to see if you can help me with the messages. And so I asked you for you to rate yourself on uh, the level of stress that you are. Which, by the way, if you're not on our Facebook group, we have our Savior's Church um, we have our, our Savior Church Jennings page, but we also have a group that we share a lot of this kind of stuff. And so we asked a question and about 200 of you responded. And I want to share your, your results of what we got from your response. So this is what your response was. Uh, 1% said, I have no stress in my life. I don't know who two of you are, but there's two of you said, no stress. Come pray for me. All right. Let me show you what the next one was. Um, 16% of y'all said you have mild stress in your life. How many of you would say you got some mild stress in your life? Uh, y'all, then y'all lied. <laughs> or undoubtedly they came to the 9 o'clock service because <laughs> all the stressed out people come to 1045. Okay, I got you. All right. See what I got to preach you with. Okay, watch the next one. 29% say they got moderate stress in their life. Okay, 30% of y'all say you got moderate stress. Now watch this. Okay, you ready? say you have intense stress in your life. Intense. And then now watch this. It even gets better. uh, 4% of y'all say you have extreme stress in your life. So what is extreme stress? Extreme stress is actually when you start seeing it play out like in your physical. Like you're like, your heart beats a lot real fast. Maybe you're depressed all the time. You're actually seeing it play out in your things. And 4% of y'all actually. So just within this, I don't even know. I, w- I went to private school. Uh, that's 29, 50, 79, 80, 83, 83. 83% of y'all have moderate, intense, or extreme stress. 83% of y'all. You're stressed people. So we're going to try to help you with deal with that. How many want some help? You want some help? Okay. All right. Um, we're going we're gonna to go to the scriptures and see what God has to say. Some of you are under so much stress, you're wondering how long this service is going to be because you've got stuff to do. Don't lie. You know who that is. 
Hey, let me tell you real quick, what, what are the things that cause stress? I'm gonna, I, I went ahead and listed a couple of them. There's hundreds of things that cause stress in our lives, but I want to show you kind of the big ideas of what causes stress, I think, often in our lives. So here's, here's the first one. Relationships cause stress. I mean, some of your stress has revolved around people. You got some relational conflict that's going on. We're actually not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. I think this is one of the top stressors in our life. Um, I'm going to share two big stressors in the message in just a minute. This, I think, is the third one. I think it's the top one. But we're going to have a whole message on this, by the way. So get ready. We'll have a whole message on how to deal with this stress. Uh, Let me tell you another one. Um, I'm married. (laughs) That's a stress. Your stress is sitting next to you. All right. Or maybe I'm not married. And that's a stress. Because you would like to be married. Right, Alex? Okay. And so... Um, deadlines, deadlines. How many, you know, how many deadlines stress you out when you got a deadline, whether that's with school or whether that's with work or whatever that is, you got a deadline where you got to do some stuff. Your kid comes to you and says, Oh, by the way, I got a science project due tomorrow. We got to go to Walmart. You got deadlines. There's things that happen. Let me show you another one. Divorce. Divorce is a major stress in our lives. When you got two families, two Christmases, two things, struggles that's going on there, divorce brings a lot of stress. Let me show you some more. Illness. When you're sick, how I many know sickness brings stress? And you know how to kid throw up? <laughs> stress. Or, or maybe even a chronic illness or a disease or something that's going on there, and that just brings added stress into your family. Uh, let me show you another one. Parenting. Hey, which, by the way, this is one of the questions you asked. It's one of the top ones, so we'll deal with this one, too. Uh, we'll, we'll deal with this one in a couple weeks. Uh, talk about parenting. That's a stress. And all the parents said? Amen. Amen. And all the kids said, watch out. Yeah, I'll bring more stress. Let me show you another one. Expectation of others is a stress. When you have to live under the rule of what people think about you or what, what, uh, what their expectations are of you, and you feel like you've got to go do things and perform a certain way because of what people think about you and the expectations that people have on you, maybe a a husband or maybe a a boss or maybe a friend that has all these expectations of things that you should be doing for them. That can definitely bring some stress. Another one is unresolved sin. When you are living a certain way that is not honoring God and there's a stress that comes along with that. Um, There's a stress that comes when you're trying to present yourself in a certain way, but really there's a backstory of all this other stuff that's going on, but you don't want to talk about that. So you fake it in front of everybody else and you say it's all good. And then you got to go home and know that you're not living the way that you say that you're living. How many know that's a stress? Because you got to go to bed at night and realize I'm not who people think I am. And unresolved sin is a stress. And then this next one is probably one of the biggest ones, I think, really in all of Louisiana, that is one of the greatest stresses that we all face, and that is the New Orleans Saints. Can I get an amen? I was going to put less miles, but we dealt with that stress last week. So that stress is gone. And we won. Okay, just, I'm just saying. I mean, it's, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> so here's, here's bad news. Let me give you bad news. If this wasn't bad enough, let me give you some bad news and then I'm going to give you, we're going to get into some good news. So here's the bad news. The bad news is most of the stuff over here, I can't fix. And most of the stuff here is stress. That's just going to, you're going to have in your life. You can't predict if someone's going to get ill. Uh, I mean, there's certain things that you can do, but there's a lot of this that's on here that I can't change. Um, so this is the promise that I'm going to make to you today. I'm not going to make a promise that I'm going to relieve all your stress. So let me just go ahead and get that on, on out in the front is that 
I'm not going to share a message today and then you're going to walk out of here and you're never going to have any more stress. What I'm going to do today is I'm going to teach you how to deal with the stress in a way that honors God and, and you can have peace in the midst of the stress. Even when all is going on around you that you can still have peace because Jesus promised us that we would face hardships. That we would face struggles, that we would have faced. Most of us think if we serve Jesus, we'll never have hardships. Well, then you didn't read the Bible. Because the Bible actually tells us differently. Actually, let me show you. John chapter 16. Let's see what God's word has to say. So this is Jesus. This is red letters. This is coming out of his mouth. And this is what he says. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have. What's that word? Everybody say, give me some of that. Come on, we want that. That's what we're here for. We want some peace. Some peace in our lives. We're stressed. In distress, we want peace. But look what this says. In this world, you will have... Come on. In this world, you will have... Trouble. trouble. You're going to have trouble. Jesus is telling you. You're going to have some trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. See, God isn't at work producing the circumstances that you want. God is at work in the circumstances producing the you that he wants. We pray that God would take us out of the circumstances and God's prayer is, no, why don't you bring me into your circumstances? God's desire is to help us to have peace in the midst of the stress. He doesn't just relieve the stress. But how many know it would be good if he would relieve some stress? I'll take some of that. And sometimes he does. Sometimes he brings us out of those situations, but sometimes he leaves us right in the middle of it. And so I want to show you today how you can still have peace in the midst of trouble. Psalms 34, 19. Let's look at this verse. It says this. It says, many... Many, that's a key word here. Many are the, what, what's that word? Afflictions. Nobody likes to use that word. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Now here's the deal. This says many, many are the afflictions of the who? Of the righteous. So notice, I just, I want us to make sure that we're, we're understanding clearly what the word of God says is that it doesn't say many of the afflictions are the unrighteous or the ungodly says, no, if you love God, you're going to have many afflictions. But here's the promise that we have is that God will deliver you out of all of them. Now, this word afflictions is a Hebrew word for torture. The Assyrians used a form of torture where they would take a person and the way that they would ultimately kill them is they would tie them to a pole and then they would grab the biggest rocks that they could and they would slowly build the rocks around the person and they would build it up to almost like a teepee format And as they were putting rocks on it, the the, the person was experiencing great pressure, great stress, to eventually to the point where they would put so much rocks on him that it would crush him. And I'm here today to tell some of you, the 83% of you, that are saying, I have moderate, intense, or extreme stress, that this message is for you to know that God can deliver you in that Not that he's going to take you out of the situation, but that God's going to give you peace. And I'm going to give you some hope because how many of you in here have said, if one more thing goes wrong, I'm going to lose it. Any of y'all ever said that before? Any of y'all said that this morning? Um, Okay. If one more thing, if, if one more rock, one more pressure, one more thing comes on me, man, I'm, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to lose it all. And this verse is for you today because it says many of the afflictions of the righteous, but but the Lord delivers them out of all of them. And so today I want to help you walk through stress and still have peace. So let's talk about the two main stresses in our life. First one, um, I, I, like I said, there's three stresses, but I really think there's, there's, we're going to deal with relationships later. So let's talk about the two. The first one is time, time. 
you're taking notes, you can jot down some notes with us. Time. Time is the first one. It's one of the biggest stressors in our life is time. Let, let, let me show you kind of how this works. And so how many of you, when you're coming up to a, a, a caution light, when you're coming up to a light and it's green, but you're coming up to it and you know it's been green for a while and you know it's probably about to go yellow. How many of you, as soon as it hits yellow, you slam the brakes and you stop right there and, and, and you brake right there in front of it. Anybody? Yeah, two of you. Okay, all right. The rest of us in here, how many of you, as soon as you see yellow, you step on the gas to blaze through it? Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, that's you. Okay, and if you've hit somebody, turn, turn yourself in. And so, let me, let me give you another one. This, I'm just sharing personally. These are personal things that I struggle with when it comes to this idea of time. When I go to a place where there's an elevator, and I get into the elevator... And I walk in, whether it's at a hotel or whatever, and I walk in and I press my floor of where I am. If the doors don't close right after I press it, what do you do? You close the door. And, and you're like pushing like five times, like as if it's going to help. Why is that? Like why we always seems to be like we're always in a rush. We're always in a hurry. We always got to, I don't know. Like I tell my boys, like, let's go, let's go, let's go. I'm like, where are we going? I don't know. I don't even know what we're doing. Just like always in a rush. Like, I always got to, always got to, like, like, we have competitions at our house, like, who can do things faster, who can eat faster, who can brush your teeth faster, which that's not a good one to try to win. Um, you know, you're always trying to do things in a rush. And it comes back to this idea of time, because time seems to be something that is very valuable. And by the way, we all get 24 hours. But it's something of a badge of honor when we ask somebody, say, man, how are you doing? And they say, I'm good. It's been busy, right? That's kind of like a, a badge of honor that we carry. Like you never ask anybody like, man, how's it going? Man, I've just been lazy. <laughs> like nobody says that. And even if they have, they wouldn't admit it. Why? Because we feel like in busyness, like somehow we are coming across as like, I'm a hard worker. It's just been busy. But can I tell you today, some of you, if not probably 83% of you are doing too much. It's not that you're not doing enough. It's that you're doing too much. You're overloaded. We live in a culture of overload. We take on more than we need to take on. We buy more than we should buy. We do more than we should do. We, we fill our calendars and our schedules with more stuff than we should. And some of us are stressed because of time, because we're so busy. Because here's, here's, one, here's how the, the enemy works. Let me put it this way. If Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Let me say that again. If Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Because he learns that if he can't make you bad, then he'll just make you so busy that you can't connect with God, you can't connect with people, you can't connect with anything because you're too busy. Y'all with me here? Y'all see, how, how clever of the enemy to make a strategy to make you think that you don't have enough time for God because you're too busy. It's the perfect strategy. Now, they'll just, let's just fill their calendar with a lot of stuff. And they'll just be so busy that they can't ever connect with God. And therefore, they can never get life in them. And so, therefore, they eventually are going to lead to a bad place because they're so busy. And our time, our schedule is so wrapped up and so busy. But let's look at what God's Word says. Because we need to continually go back to God's Word and, and reprioritize our lives around what God's Word says. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, it says this. It says, it is... What's that word? Better. I want you to say it with a little gusto. It is better. better. To have only a little with peace of mind than to be what? Busy. Busy all the time. It's better to have little, only a little with a peace of mind 
than busy all the time. It's better to get the right things done than to try to get everything done. There's some things in our lives that are doable. You could fit all that stuff in your calendar. It's doable, but it's not sustainable. You could run at that pace for so much, but at some point it's... How many of you know we're on, a, we're on a marathon journey here when it comes to following Jesus? It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. We want to last like the long haul. We want to 60, 70, 80 years. And for the way that some of our schedules are, you couldn't last six weeks. I don't know how many of you all remember with, you know, with the flood. I mean, this was just personally for, for something that we had to walk through. I mean, it was an exciting time for us as a church to be able to be the church. And we've heard so many stories of what God did through our church through that. But it was busy. And I'm not talking about like just any kind of busy. It was like crazy busy. Like 12-hour days, three weeks straight. Um, like I saw my family like for just hours at night scarfing down food. Most of the time they were already in bed. And it was like the third week. We were coming into the third week and... and um, and I was sitting at the kitchen table, and we're getting stuff ready for the kids for school. And, and Lindsay says, hey, babe, I need to talk to you. And when she says that, it, it, what, it, what it actually means, or when she says we need to talk, what it actually means is she needs to talk. <laughs> How many husbands in here know that? Like, we need to talk. No, you don't want me to talk. You want to talk. <laughs> and so she proceeded to let me know how busy I've been. And she said, listen, I've given a lot of grace and you've been out for three weeks almost. And I'm excited for what y'all doing and so thankful for what God's doing there. But we need you. Like, like who? Who needs me? <laughs> like, we need you. Like, the boys need you. I need you. We need you home. And, and I had to, at that moment, do one of two things. Go, oh, just deal with it. I'm trying, we're trying to help people here. Or at that point, realize... Okay, they need me. And, and, and here's the truth. There's going to always be needs out there where people need something from us. Like there's always... How many know Jesus didn't just heal everybody? Jesus also left cities with still hurt, sick people there. And so I had to come to a place where he just realized, one, don't need to do it all. And then two, my family needs me. And none of these people that I'm helping are going to take care of my family. That's my role. I got to take care of my family. And I've got to come in and eliminate some things so I can do this. So I got on the phone with some guys and said, Hey guys, you're going to have to take lead on this. I can't, I can't do this. I'm going to have to be home. I got to, I need to spend some time at home because my schedule, my calendar was so crazy. So filled with so many things. It, and here's the deal. It was all good things. It wasn't bad things. It wasn't like I was hunting for three weeks and never saw my wife. Like we were trying to help people, but yet she needed me in that moment. And so I had to learn to step away and go, okay, yes, I, I need time. They need time. How many would say in here, if you're honest, some of the big stress in your life is time. You just don't have enough time in the day to do all that you need to do. Okay, good. A lot of us. Yeah, it's a big one. It's a big one. I'll, I'll talk to you about how to, how we practically deal with that in just a minute, but let's, let's go on to the second one. The second stressor that's in our life is, and this is a big one, money. And everybody's like, Ooh, yeah, money. It's huge. If there was ever going to be a source of stress, it's going to be in this area. How many know mo money, mo problems? And how many know no money, mo problems? <laughs> how many like, I don't have the mo money problem. I got the no money problem. That's a, no money. Okay, anyways. Uh, get my wrap on up here. Let's go to God's word and talk, see what he says about money. First Timothy 6 says this, but godliness with contentment. 
Underline that word or circle that word, contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. Hey, newsflash, there is no U-Haul pulled behind your hearse. Okay? So you're not taking anything out with you. So you came in with nothing, you're going out with nothing. That's what he says. And now watch what he says here. But if we have food and we got clothes, then we will be content with that. And those who want to get rich, watch what happens. They fall into temptations and to a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Now watch. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now it's not saying that money is the root of all kinds of evil because money is neutral. It's neither good nor bad. But the love of it is makes it the root of all kinds of evil. And I'll even say this. Money is the root of all kinds of stress too. It's the number one thing that people fight in their families about. It's the number one thing that causes divorce in marriages. Money. And this is what he says. Look what he continues. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith. And look what they've done. They've pierced themselves with many griefs. See, here's the reason I believe that's that's the case. Because our culture defines happiness as more than I currently have. Hey, you want to be happy? Well, you just need more than what you got. Because what you got is not enough. You need more. That's why you got these credit card commercials that say, I want it all, and I want it now. And you're like, I'm singing the jingle. I don't even know what I'm saying. I want it all, and I want it now. And we live in a culture that says, you deserve it. So if you can't afford it, just charge it, and you can pay payments on it. And then you'll have what you wanted But then you realize when you get what you thought you needed to have what you really wanted to be successful, when you actually get it, it doesn't produce what you actually thought it was going to do. Anybody here with me on that? That the thing that was lied to you that if you had this money or if you had this car, if you had this house or if you had this phone or if you had this thing, that it's like drinking sand. You never get enough of it. I tell my boys all the time when they say like, oh, I want this toy. I, I usually, when they've been begging about this toy for a long duration of time, and I've just had enough, I say, hey, let's take a trip. And so come follow me. And so they follow me right up to their bedroom, and I go in their closet, and I find the toy that they begged for forever. And I said, you know this toy? You remember this toy? Yeah, you remember this? Yeah, we bought this like three months ago. Have you played with this toy? What, what, it's do, what is it doing in the... Because... We have this natural desire constantly that we need more. We need the next thing, but we don't even take care of the things that we do have. We don't even appreciate the things. How many know, like, you you bought the iPhone 7, and in three months it'll be the iPhone (laughs) 7.5. Y'all with me here? It'll be iPhone 8. Like, that's how fast it goes. Like, you bought the 2016 car, and now it's actually already out. You need the 2017. Y'all with me here? Money is such a huge thing for all of us. And often it's, it's a big thing because we've lost this value. And here's the value. And this verse said it. Contentment. So here's what contentment is. Contentment, if you, if you want to write out a definition of what contentment is. Because God says for all of us we need to be content. Is it wrong to make money? Absolutely not. Is it wrong to be rich? Absolutely not. Is it wrong to have money? No. But it's wrong when money has you. And contentment is this. Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want. But it's the realization of what you have. Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want. Man, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. That's greed. 
Contentment is the realization of what I already have. Man, I am blessed. Man, if God doesn't give me anything else, man, I'm a blessed man. Y'all with me here? We try to teach our boys the principle of, listen, we're going to, as the Belt family, we're going to work diligently, we're going to live simply, and we're going to give generously. That's what we're going to do. And in order for us to give generously, we've got to live simply, which means we're not going to get the 72-inch screen. We're just not. We're good with the 42, even though it goes out every once in a while. I'm not going to get the 2017 latest and greatest. Because there was a time when I felt like I had to have those things. And I'll tell you, there was a time where Lindsay and I bought a car where I felt like I had to have a car. And we went and bought a car and gotten this big note on it and everything. And months into it, I realized, why did I do this? And it was a nice car and it was, it was awesome. It was great. But then it came to a place where it was so much weight because I had to try to work more. And I was having to now work extra jobs to go pay for this and the insurance and everything that came along with it. And eventually came to a place where I was like, I've got to sell this because there's so much stress in my life. I had to sell it and ended up being almost upside down. I think I paid the guy for him to buy it from me. Like I lost money on it. All because of this driving thing that I had to have something. And because I was finding my identity in it is what, what the real issue was. And money for us can be a stress. I pray that you are blessed richly. I pray that all of you get rich, but not so that you can have more. But so you can be the most generous person on the planet. I tell God all the time, God, if you bless me with as much money as I can, I'll be able to give as much as I want. Because I hate when people come up to me and I I, want to help them and I can't because of money. I want to be generous. God wants you to be a a blessing. And so when we pray, God, bless me. God, give me, you know, an increase. God, give me a better job. It's not so that I can raise my standard of living. It's so that I can raise my standard of giving. Y'all with me here? So I can be a bigger blessing to people that are around me. Because there's no greater joy in life than to be a giver. It is more blessed to give than to receive. receive. Yeah, we know it. But I'm going to tell you, there's something about it when you get to lock in on that and give your time, give your talents, give your treasure. And money is such a huge thing for us. We, we, and, and one of the great places for you to gain perspective on this, to realize how blessed you are, is to actually go overseas. This past summer, we had the, I had the awesome opportunity to take my oldest son, Pastor Bubba, took his oldest son, or his youngest son, Luke, with us to South Africa. And if there's any great opportunity for you to realize how blessed you are, just go somewhere else. And so we went to South Africa, right into the townships where their houses are made, of course, out of like sheet metal and bricks and barely have anything. And I, and I snapped a picture of this because I, I thought this was absolutely amazing because one of the things that... I told my son is we're going to go and we're going to serve people and you're not going to stay on your iPod or iPad the whole time. Like we're going to go bless people. We're going to go help people and you're going to go be a part of this. And he and him and Luke actually ended up connecting with this little boy. And for two hours, they played with that little water bottle that's right there. They played with that for two hours and had the best time ever. I haven't heard him laugh as much as he had with a half drunk water bottle. They're just flipping the water bottle and having having a blast having a blast. And I'm going to tell you, I saw more kids on this trip that were playing with a stick or with a water bottle or a little car that were more happy than kids that I know that got three digital devices in their room. Because these kids realize that my happiness and joy doesn't come with what I have. My happiness and joy comes from what I, what God has given me. And the amazing thing that you see in these kind of things is perspective. You, you come home, you come home from this and you realize, man, I am blessed. I am blessed. 
And to watch my son get to do that with him, they're playing in the dirt with this kid. They're playing with sticks. And I'm thinking, dear goodness, I'm taking his iPad. I'm going to go sell it because make some money back. now. I'm joking. <laughs> but come on, how many know we've got to teach contentment to our kids too? But how many know we lead the way as adults? So if we're not content with what we want, we've got to have the latest and greatest. We just teach down to our kids that they've got to have the latest and greatest. And then guess what? Our kids become entitled where they think they're owed something instead of being blessed. Y'all with me here? And this stuff creates stress in our lives. It creates stress. I know. All right. Let me, let me show you something here. I want, to, I want to give you how to find rest in the stress. And then we're going to, we're going to bring this thing to a close. I'm going to get extremely practical here, as, as practical as I possibly be, because I think every sermon needs to be able to work on Monday. How many like a sermon that works on Monday? Okay, I want a sermon that works on Monday. And so, okay, it's good to hear all this stuff, but what do we actually do? So you are made up, you and I are made up of three parts. We're made up of body, soul, and spirit. That's, that's what you and I are made up of, body, soul, and spirit. And so all those parts of you, though, are also stressed, by the way. Because all of you in here, many of you in here said, you're not sleeping and your body feels fatigued. How many of that was you? You don't get enough sleep. Yeah. And then our soul, our emotions are getting stressed out. And then, of course, our spirit gets stressed out. So I want to give you some practicals on each part. So let's talk about the body. Here's, here's the tip here, is to keep the Sabbath day holy. Keep the Sabbath day holy. We'll talk a little bit about this. Uh, the Sabbath is uh, an Old Testament command that God gave us in the Ten Commandments to keep the Sabbath day holy. It was that there would be one day in the week where you would stop. Sabbath actually means stop. Stop. And God instituted a thing. When God made the earth, he worked for six days and then on the seventh day he he rested. He stopped. God even had a Sabbath. He stopped. And so you're going to see in this verse in the New Testament, though, where he talks about the importance of us stopping, having these frequent times in our lives and in our weeks where we stop. And look what it says in Hebrews 4. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Come on, we want some Sabbath rest. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their, what are, they, what are we resting from? From their works. And just as God did from his, let us. There's that let us again that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Let us therefore make what? Make every effort to enter into that rest. Sabbath is not what you do when everything is done. Sabbath is what you do when there's still stuff to get done. Sabbath is where we intentionally disconnect and stop and enjoy what God has given us and enjoy him. Because listen to me very closely. If you don't take a break, you will break. You will, I'm telling you, for the long call. You might can for a duration of time, do a doable schedule, but you can't endure for the long call, and you've got to learn to take breaks. Now, as a type A driven guy, this is really hard. This is very hard. Like when we go for vacation, we, like, we go to the beach, and like we sit on the beach, I'm like driven crazy. I'm like, what are we doing here? Like I need to be on a board, a jet ski. I need to be on something. I cannot... And Lindsay's like, this is awesome. And I'm like, no, this is, this is purgatory. I'm just sitting here. The sun is beating down on my body and I'm doing nothing. And she's like, I love it. I love it. And I'm like, I need to go do something. Because I just like, I, anybody in here like that? Like, I just can't, you can't rest. You can't stop. 
Oftentimes, and it's like, stop, just stop. And I just like, I'm always doing something. I'm always working on a project. I'm always got something going on. I always like, there's just always stuff that we can fill our days with. You're always, you know, if you're not at work, you got work projects at home. And then if you don't have work projects at home, you got work projects on people. And there's just, there's just stuff that's going on all the time. And God's going, oh, listen, you need a Sabbath. You need a day where you just stop it all. When you're not ministering to anybody and you'd allow me to minister to you. Because here's what I've learned. If I work six days and give God one of them, that week is more blessed than if I work seven of them and give God none of them. Y'all with me? So maybe today is your Sabbath. Maybe today is your day where you press pause from all your work, all your stuff. You come, you get replenished, you get refreshed, you go home, you enjoy. That's awesome. For me, Sunday's not the Sabbath, by the way. Today's not my Sabbath. Today's my work day. I'll do two services. We'll do next step. I'll have a life group tonight. We'll just do a bunch of stuff. It's not tomorrow is my Sabbath. All of our pastors are, are, we're off on Mondays. That's our day where we disconnect from everything and get our time to replenish. And you need that. And I'm going to tell you three things. Let let me show you what you're going to do. There's three things that you've got to do when, if you want to institute a Sabbath, a day where you take just a, a break. Now, listen, there's stuff that's got to get done, and I understand that. you got kids and all that, and, and Lindsay and I are still working through that. I mean, this is a work in progress for us. We're trying to figure out how to do this Sabbath right. But I'm going to tell you three things that you got to do every time you, you take, a, take a stop and a pause. First one is you got to evaluate. You've got to evaluate your life. You've got to evaluate your schedule. You've got to evaluate your week. Look at your week and say, how was this, this week? How am I doing? How's my marriage? How's our kids? How's everybody doing right now? You've got to start asking some of these harder questions to evaluate. Sometimes we get so busy doing, we don't get to stop and actually reflect on what we're actually doing. We're just like rowing. And then, and then finally, eventually, when you stop, you're like, I don't even know where we are. Where are we at? You have no destination. And so Sabbath is an opportunity for us to evaluate where are we going? How's our marriage doing? How's things going? How's your soul? How's, how's pro- what? That was that for that moment for Lindsay, like, hey, we need to talk. That was a, hey, I need to evaluate what's going on here because we can't stay like this for a long time. And with that came the next thing, which is to eliminate. Meaning that, hey, we can't keep going on this track here, so we're going to have to eliminate some stuff and do some course correction. We've got to redirect somewhere because right now the way that this marriage is going, we're on a train wreck for divorce. Or right now the way that your work schedule is going, it's not going to be good for you. You've got to begin to look at the things that you need to eliminate. Ephesians 5 says this, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Live like those who are wise. So I'm going to tell you, when it comes to scheduling even your week, scheduling your time, you don't need to ask the question, can we do this? Somebody says, hey, can you, y'all, y'all want to come over? You want to, hey, you want to take this opportunity? Hey, I got this trip for you. Hey, I got this. Don't ask, can I do it? You need to ask, is this wise? In light of everything that's going on in our life right now, is this wise for me to take this on? In light of that our son is a senior in college, should I take this job which would allow me, I mean, uh, not allow me to be around him? In light of where our finances are, should we buy this? Is this wise? Could you do it? Maybe, but is it wise? Y'all with me? This is a question that we've got to ask when it comes to eliminating the areas of our lives. Lindsay and I do this all the time, often when it comes to like sports with our boys. We tell our boys one sport, uno, because we're not going to be all over the map everywhere because we want to make what's most important important. And then we'll let you do, do sports, but I'm not going to drive you every single night of every day, three different directions. We're never going to see each other and be in three different sports. It's just not happening. 
And so that's a, that's a thing for us that we put in, we instituted into our family that we value the family being together. And so if that means that we're not going to be together, then, then we're going to eliminate that. Y'all with me? You've got to decide what that is for your family. I'm not saying that that's for you, but you've just got to decide how that works for you, how that works. Lindsay and I, we work out, we take care of ourselves, our bodies. We try to make sure that our boys are entertained and, and have sports and do all that. But we try to schedule everything to where we can still have nights at home and families where we can still have dinners together. We can still do stuff because that's important, which actually leads to the next thing, which is that after you evaluate and you eliminate, you enjoy, you enjoy the whole part of a Sabbath is that you stop and then just enjoy all that you work for. I know guys who work like crazy and don't get to enjoy the things that they worked for. So we need to enjoy the stuff that God's given us. Actually, Proverbs 17 says a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. So this is actually saying you need to spend your Sabbath laughing and having fun. Get out, go do something, have fun, get with people that you love the most, hang out with people that you love the most. On your Sabbath, don't be around people who drag, who, who drag you down or who pull out energy. Get around people who give you energy. Go have fun. Go laugh. Eat. Could I tell you? Go eat. Do you know that if you take stress and you spell it backwards, it's desserts? Some of you right now, you need to just go eat a dessert, Okay. Some of you right now, that is your stress, and you don't need to eat dessert, though. But you need to, you need to get around some good food, get around some stuff. Let me, tell, let me give you some right now. For those of you today, maybe this is what you need to do. You leave here. If you're coming to Next Step, you come to Next Step. We'd love to have you part of that. But as soon as you're done, you cancel all your plans today. And you go home, and you take a nap. Can I get an amen from somebody in here? Y'all going to go home and be like, hey, why won't you answer my phone? My pastor told me I had to take a nap, okay? And you know what? I try to do what he tells me to do. And so some of you just need to go take a nap, and then you wake up, and you grab your wife, or you grab your husband, or you go spend time with your kids, and you just go have fun together, go do something, and you tell your wife, We're, you're not cooking tonight. We're going to order out. And we all, we're using paper plates for everybody and plastic silverware. We ain't washing a dish today. Come on, how many moms would say, I, I can take some of that. I, I got some of that. Okay. And you just spend that Sabbath, instead of working and doing all this stuff, you spend that Sabbath actually enjoying each other. Spending time together. Maybe cooking together. Maybe you don't order out, but cook together. Do something. Do whatever you do. That, this is a Sabbath, all right? We're going to slow down and stop. Here's your last two. Your soul. And this is, this is what you're going to do with your soul. You're going to keep your focus on what matters most. Psalms 39, verse 4 through 5 says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. Remind me of how brief my time on earth here. Remind me. Remind me of how short life is. How do you know one of the greatest places that we get perspective on what matters most is funerals? Right? Funerals are some of the greatest places where you walk in and you begin to just reprioritize what matters. Especially if it's, if it's a funeral of someone who's young. Where it wasn't expected. And you just realize, man, life is brief. It's real short. And I want to make sure that I am filling my calendar and my schedule with the things that matter the most. 
Because you're not guaranteed anything. If, if a doctor told you you got 60 days left to, do, left to live, how would you schedule your week? You'd change some things. You'd reprioritize some stuff. We need to live with somewhat of an urgency of making what matters matter the most. And here's your last one, is your spirit. And that's I'm going to keep my heart set on heaven. I'm going to keep my heart set on heaven. So we're going to keep the Sabbath day holy. We're going to get rest for our body. We're going to keep our focus on what matters most so we can get some rest for our soul. And then we're going to keep our heart set on heaven so we can get some rest for our spirit. Some of you need to lower your expectations of earth. You're expecting earth to be like heaven, but it's never going to be that way. So every time someone dies, you're going to go into this mode where you're all stressed out. You're like, God, how could this happen? It's earth. It's earth. This isn't heaven. One day there will be a heaven and there will be no stress. And you'll be able to put number one like those two people who lied. Um, that, and no, no, I'm joking. They have no stress. There's going to be a day that comes. But right now there's stress. And this is what Paul says. And I love, let's, I want us to wrap up with what Paul says when it comes to a stress. So if there's anybody who knew stress besides Jesus, it was Paul. Paul knew some stress. And this is his way of dealing with stress. He says this in 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, we do not, what? We don't, we don't lose heart. Meaning that you can lose heart. You can lose heart. But if we don't lose heart, and here's how we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles. Now you say, say what? Because I don't know about you, but my stress is not light and it's not momentary. It feels like it's heavy and long. Right? But here's the truth. When you have your perspective on heaven and on eternity, what you're dealing with here is really honestly light and momentary. Your 60 years in the span of eternity is like this. And so for us, these troubles and these relationship conflicts and all this stress and money and time and all this, it seems like it's just so much, but it's light and momentary. Because when you relate it to heaven, it's light and momentary. And look what he says. And they are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So here's what we do. This is what you need to get. So we fix our eyes. Because what you focus at becomes greater. Your fears and your faith are both powered by what you focus on. Your stress becomes greater when you focus on your stress. God becomes greater when you focus on him. And guess what? When you focus on heaven, your stress level comes down. That doesn't mean the stress is away. It just comes down because you set your eyes on something greater than what you're dealing with. You know with me here? Set your eyes, fix your eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is what we do. We, we're going to fix our hearts on heaven. We weren't made for here, by the way. This is just temporary. We are just passengers passing on through. God's got a place for us. And, and he realizes the stress that you're under right now. And he is giving an invitation to you and I. And here's the invitation. I want, to, I want you to read this last, last verse. And it's, math, uh, it's in Matthew, but it's Jesus. And I want you to hear this as an invitation. Actually, this is what I want you to do. Would you close your eyes right there where you are? Because I just want us just to kind of, I, I want you just to hear this with ears open 
and not with distractions going on around you. If, if, if everybody doesn't mind just being still, just for one moment. And I want you, I'm going to read this verse, and I want you to hear it as if Jesus is talking directly to you. And this is what he says. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Just keep your eyes closed right there where you are. This is an invitation of love. This is an invitation of come to me, all stressed out moms, all stressed out business owners, all those who are struggling in their marriages, all those who are struggling with their money, all those who are struggling with their children. Come to me, all who labor, who work hard, diligent workers, but you're carrying heavy burdens. God's invitation for you is to come. And he promises that you will find rest for your souls. Just soak that phrase in. You will find rest for your souls. Jesus. Jesus, right now, God, we just, we give you this. We give you this dress. We give you these burdens. And we come to you. God, your word says that you, you would put a yoke on us. Which means that when this burden is too heavy, you just come alongside of it. You don't lift the burden and take it away. You lift it with us. You carry it with us. God, today I believe you're wanting to carry, carry some burdens with, with your people today. God, we pray. And with all eyes closed, come on, all eyes closed, but all hearts opened. In this moment, if you were just to have an honest moment, some of the stress that's in your life is because of that unresolved sin that unresolved areas of your life, of your soul, where you've kind of run your own life, do your own thing. You've kind of led your, the life that you've wanted to live. And, and it's led to some, some deep, empty places in your heart. And I believe you're here today because God's been drawing you. He's been wooing you. And today you get to make a choice. You get to make a, a declaration that, you know what? I'm going to surrender my heart, surrender my life to Jesus. And with all eyes closed and all hearts open, if you'd say, Pastor Josh, listen, would you just pray for me? I, I would like to surrender my heart, my life to him. Just right there where you are. Would you mind just, just raising your hand just right there? I just want to see who that is. Okay. Look here. All over here in the back, over here on the left. Three hands over here on the left. Thank you so much. Two or three over here on the right. Thank you for holding it up. Thank you. You can put it down. Thank you in the back. Lady in the back. Thank you. Anybody else? And today I want to surrender. I want to surrender. Listen, I'm not telling you to come and be a part of a church. That's not what I'm inviting you to. I'm inviting you to come and experience the power of Jesus in your life. That he comes, that he brings. I want you to experience God. I don't want you to know God. I want you to experience him. The Bible says that Jesus came. And he gave. He lived a life that we couldn't live. And he died, died the death that we should have died to pay for our sins. And to bring us back in a relationship with him. And then if we'll confess with our mouths that he is Lord and surrender our hearts, that he'll forgive us, wash us clean, and he prepares a place for us in heaven. So would you just repeat this after me? Would you say, dear father, thank you for sending Jesus to pay for my debts. You died on a cross 
because of my sins. And you rose again to give me new life and to have a home in heaven. Today, I acknowledge that I need you. Forgive me. Be the Lord of my life. I surrender it all to you. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.